Welcome back, Everyday Business Leaders. I'm Melanie Ake, your host for today's show. We're coming to you from JP the Geek Studio right here in Greenwood, Indiana. We're thrilled to have you with us today. We have a secret guest, a special guest, a spouse of somebody that you have known for the last five years. So I can't wait to share her with you. <laughs> but join me as we celebrate and connect to remarkable business leaders here in our very own community. Cyrilla Helm is going to tell us the way we can think and grow differently with our education system from Bloomington. So remember to subscribe to our channel and turn your notifications on so you never miss any of these episodes. Ready to go? Cyrilla Helm. Thank you for joining Thank us today. Thank you for having me. I am so excited. The better half of Chip Helm. You, some people <laughs> say that, yes, yes. So Chip was, uh, we were connected in industry. We worked at the same company for a long time. long time. And he came on my very first year, was a speaker, has written some books. Mm -hmm. And, but they always say it's the woman behind the man, right? It, I, yes, that's a that's a good saying. Yes, it is the woman behind the man. It is, and you have so much to talk about and share with us from the things that you've done. You guys have raised three doctors. We have, <laughs> and so that's an incredible story in itself. That is an incredible story. It's selfish of me. I need somebody to take care of me when I'm old and can't do it. Right? Oh my goodness! No, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Two that's of not them why they are. Can, but the other one might not. <laughs> well, you know though. <laughs> She knows a lot of biology, and I think if push came to shove, she could uh, she could give me CPR just like any of the others could. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you're uh, you guys are in Bloomington, Indiana, but I want to know I want people to know who you are, okay. where, where you came from, mm -hmm. where you were raised, what your beliefs were, what drives you to be so passionate about helping our community so much in the Bloomington area. Oh my. I grew up in Kentucky. I know that's a terrible thing to say in the red Indiana IU Hoosier state, um, but, you know, rivalries exist. And uh, so, you know, but that's where I'm from. I'm from Kentucky. I grew up in a really small town that at the time I grew up really wasn't on the map. It's on the map today, thanks to the Bourbon Trail. Uh, so I grew up in a little town called Lebanon, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And so now today, when I go back, I'm always just amazed at um, how much it's changed and, and the differences there. But um, kind of my driver is I grew up, um, it's hard to think that I'm first generation college in my family. Wow. Um, my sister beat me to it because she's three years older, but um, that was the life, you know, for a lot of us that grew up in the 70s. Um, our parents had didn't have the opportunities to go to college. And that was one of the things that my mom was adamant about, that her kids were going to have that opportunity that she didn't have. Um, so she worked her butt off um, to make sure that we had those opportunities. And, and I thank God for her every day because she did that for me. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And you know, nobody can understand that until they feel that. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the pride that you carry with you. Just being able to be encouraged to do something that it's the first. Right. It's the first generation to be able to accomplish that. And like what we said, right, you have raised three doctors. It's that discipline. It's that mindset that you can do anything that you set your mind to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so cool about watching you and Chip raise your kids and being part of the community and really leaders in the community um, to say, hey, 
if you think something's possible, figure out how to connect to the right people, get the right resources, and make it happen. Right. So tell me about raising these kids when they were little. <laughs> what did you think was possible? I mean, I know it's really hard. You've, you guys are both busy with your lifestyles and, and working and just surviving, right? Being oh, a young yeah. married couple. And so thinking about what was going to be the future for the Helms. I don't know that we had a roadmap or where we were headed. Um, we both knew we wanted kids. Um, I don't think we really wanted them that close together, but that's just what life dealt. Um, so I say my 30s were a blur. Mm -hmm. They were just a flat out blur. There's, I can remember, I have a great memory, and so I, I remember a lot of things. My 30s, I have a lot of weaknesses in, and I think that's because I had, at one point, three children under the age of three. And if you've never lived that, that's nuts. It's <laughs> nutty. And I mean, it's, there's just always something. You know, it's always, there's always some chaos happening or some, you know, something going on. And so at that point, you're in survival mode. Mm -hmm. You're just in flat out survival mode. Um, and at one point during that, we made the conscious choice of I needed to stay home. It became, for me, it wasn't a monetary issue. My job paid for childcare. So for a lot of people, they choose to stay home because the income doesn't make sense. You're paying more out than you're bringing in. For me, that wasn't the case, but the company that I was working for at the time was going through a buyout and it was on the table. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I'd rather raise my hand because I'd like to leave than to have you take somebody who really needs to stay in the job. Mm -hmm. So I took that choice and we took that leap of faith and decided to go to one income. Um, it wasn't always easy. It, it was, a, you know, you had to really think about it. I'm a background of a financial person, CPA type person. So, you know, you think about it, you plan for it, um, as best you can and you do the best you can when you're, when you're in that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't ever look back on it and regret it. I actually look back on it and say, I'm probably one of the smartest decisions I made in my life was staying home um, because I was there. I was able to be there for them um, in, in ways that sometimes you don't anticipate. Um, and in some days, it's some ways you don't even want to be there for them, but you are, you know, you're there. Um, so I think it had a lot to do with it, just being there, being home with them. I've asked my kids in hindsight, you know, did you like that? Did you not like that? And they were like, no, it was really, it was kind of cool at that mm -hmm. point to be able to have that. Mm -hmm. So um, that was the case until they all got into, into where we were. We moved to Bloomington. We lived in Florida at the time. And we moved to Bloomington in 2004. And the youngest was in kindergarten. I'm going to say this because it was a fact of the state. I moved here and almost went into withdrawals. I was like, what state has a kindergarten program that's two and a half hours long? Mm -hmm. I was like, this is stupid. I, there's yeah. no other word to say it. Um, and I will have to say education in Indiana really took me back. I was because we didn't live in a state where that was the case. Um, you know, you were if you kept your child back from a full day kindergarten, it was a conscious choice on your on your side to do that. 
Um, and I did that for my oldest um, because he was a, a slow, slow, slow emotional kind of kid and had a late birthday in the system. And so I made that choice for him to do a, what we called a transitional kindergarten where it really was a half day. And then he started and did a full day kindergarten. And when I got here, I was like going, oh my gosh, this is shorter than even the transitional <laughs> kindergarten that I had. I mean, it's barely you drop off and you go get. Mm -hmm. And so fortunately, um, that has changed in Indiana. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of legislation that's brought that through and has changed that, which is a good thing. But I think that for me, that was one of the pieces that led me into the career path that I landed in was because I became so passionate about the fact that I felt that there were so many lags. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't have a better word for it for, for, for this, for that, but to just come into it and be like a half day kindergarten when that is such an important in, it's a critical year. It's mm -hmm. a crucial year for kids. Pre-K is a crucial time for children's learning. And when that's not in a formulated process for kids, it's just, you wonder how the educational system continues to catch them up. Mm -hmm. And because if you get behind at that stage in your life, it's really hard to catch up. And mm -hmm. that's why, that's why I joined, I started to look for something to do. Right. And there was a small little opening. Uh, when I say small, small little opening, I started working for the Education Foundation 10 hours a week, planning events. Wow. And that's how it all started. That's how it started. That's how it started. And that's been how many years ago? It was 2007. Oh, my goodness. So 16 years mm -hmm. now. Wow. That's amazing. Yep. But th that's the thing, right? That's the growth that you see there's an opportunity. And I love what you talked about is these gaps that you see that are not right. And you want to do something about it. And you want to make a change. And that's where a lot of people would say, well, that's just how it is. I'll just accept it and move on. But I also want you to address these things that have happened through COVID. People saying, oh, my gosh, I've never had to stay home with my kids, work and stay home. Talk to me about that mindset. You kind of shifted into it and said, I'm taking this on. It's really important for me to do mm -hmm. this. What about the parents right now that are kind of in transition still and they, have, and they are really looking for a way to elevate their family, to be able to give back to their kids, to help them through these tough times? right, that we're going through, I think, still in the education system. What's some advice that you can give to them? I think that the pandemic opened a lot of doors, windows, eyes, whatever it is that you want to call it, um, for what teachers really go through in a classroom. Um, I, I'm fortunate. If I need to go to the restroom, I get up and walk to the restroom. Most of them can't. Mm -hmm. um, they got to wait for a break. They got to wait for, you know, and depending upon the age category you're in. So it's you can take it down to that basic nutshell right there to say, hey, they're in that room and they're responsible for all those kids. And I think people started to see that level of, of responsibility when, when their children were forced to be at home and forced to be on an iPad or a screen. And fortunately in our district, um, we had already converted, so iPads were readily available. They could send them home with the students. So they all had, all of our, our entire district had it. At the elementary level, they had iPad. At the, at the secondary level, they had 
laptops. So that was an easy shift for our district during the pandemic. For a lot of corporations, school corporations, mm-hmm. that was not the case. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very difficult. So not only did that parent have them home and they're trying to work, they're maybe trying to share a screen. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they're probably trying to share a screen so that their child has access to it. But it also, I hope parents started to see how their influence and their guidance, the more you read with a child. I mean, there are there is research out there for every minute that a child reads per day, the better they will be at succeeding in their education. So the, the kind of the standard rule is 20 minutes a day. Um, but some kids don't even do three minutes a day. Mm-hmm. So you start to see the gaps. And those gaps are caused by just their 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 core literacy skills of vocabulary you know knowing the number of words that a child knows um some of the research will show you that an affluent child from an affluent family starting into kindergarten they know three thousand words i'm gonna these i'm not don't anybody fact check my figures here because they're not right i'm kind of i'm kind of winging them but that child may learn we know three thousand words whereas a child from a family who's not involved in that educational practice mm-hmm. that child knows 900 words it's a huge wow. difference and so it puts the teachers at a level of there's a level of diversity in the room right off the bat because mm-hmm. you have kids who whose vocabularies are stronger you, you so you're you you are teaching to the child you're not teaching to the classroom as a whole mm-hmm. and that's something that's very very challenging and it takes a talented person to be able to break that room apart and be able to teach to the child's needs as opposed to teaching what the curriculum says they have to accomplish Mm -hmm. because some kids are going to accomplish more and some are going to accomplish less and sometimes even the gifted child accomplishes less than the child who is less talented because they need to catch up to them they need to be brought forward in the system Mm -hmm. and that's what our teachers do beautifully and they don't get enough credit for it mm-hmm. they really don't get enough credit for it and that was just one of the things that i hope through the pandemic that people start to see what your teachers actually do for your children and how that changes and elevates their lives mm-hmm. and it creates whatever they want to be whether it's a doctor or whether it's the camera the guy behind the camera Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. whatever that is or today I was working on a grant with somebody maybe it creates an electrician out of it I we need those we need all of it all of those things are good but even the electrician needs basic math right you need all those skills you need all those skills you need to be stimulated and it is so tough we're running a program right now at Short Ridge High School for 16 young women that are trying to be elevated, right, in in their personal development. And it's tough, right? You walk into some of those rooms and it's like, how do the rest of this, how does the rest of the school kind of vibe with the kids that are so different? Like what you just said, their learning is, is maybe a freshman level, maybe a senior level, maybe an eighth grade level still. Mm-hmm. And so how do you really adapt to try to change that, to support it from the Education Foundation standpoint? What do you guys do to assess and maybe survey, like, what are the needs? How do you get the right grants for the community? How do you assess what the most important values are? That's it's, tough. It's collaboration with your school district and and working with those curriculum leaders and the teachers on what they what they need. 
most education foundations, I, I don't, I'm going to kind of give you that spiel for yes. it across the state. <laughs> there are approximately, because we did, a, we did a study pretty recently, there's about 75 education foundations that we know of in the state. There could be more or less than them. Some of them are super small grassroots kind of people, volunteer led. Some of them are like the one in Bloomington. I'm a staff of one and a half, so we're small. Um, and then you can get up into some education foundations that are, you know, might have three or four employees in them. In the state of Indiana, that's about the protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, on average, they can be, some of them, like I said, they're pure volunteer led and some of them have some form of paid staff. Um, and they come out of all different walks of life. Like me, when I entered into this field, I was a financial person, not a fundraising person. So as my husband would say, I'm not in sales. Okay. <laughs> I, and I'm, and I wasn't in sales. It's the thing I hate the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's learning that transition of, okay, asking someone to donate to something I'm passionate about is easy if I don't think about it as sales. Right. Okay. So you have to kind of guide yourself away from it. You're changing lives. Our our tagline is we're transforming lives. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I heard the tagline from Wayne Township. Their superintendent was speaking and he said, we create great people. And I was like, I love that. Mm -hmm. You're creating great people. We're not caught up in... How many people, what the percentage of graduation is, what the percentage of on to college is, what the percentage, there's all these data points that everybody's throwing around in education and he drilled it right to the core. Mm-hmm. I'm creating great people. No matter what they choose to do with their education, as long as they're great at what they do, then hey, I've done my job. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was just such a, an enlightenment for me to be able to think about it in that different way of, of simplicity. Mm-hmm. There's so much kind of built into that. I think every community, as um, you're looking at what's changed, and I go back to COVID just because so many people were unsure what was going to happen next. And, and so I don't have kids, but I think about the kids that say, oh, we're in AP classes or we're not in AP classes. How does that influence the things that you create for the Bloomington school system. So creating more opportunities for AP type advanced classes. Um, What's your opinion on that? I just, as not having children in a school system, I've always wanted to ask that question. So now here's the opportunity. (laughs) I think that we need, we need to create opportunities for all levels. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whether that's advanced, whether that is, um, behavioral, whether that is mental health, whether they're what those things are. And that becomes the biggest challenging point, I think, for a lot of schools is because you have in our district, we have about 10,700 students and they're all different. And so you're trying to meet the unique needs of all of them. Um, not everybody wants to do an AP class. Mm-hmm. Not, not everybody wants to do an honors level course. But I think sometimes when you push them a little bit and and prove to them that they can do it, I think that's one of the really great things in life Um, that I know a lot of teachers get really passionate when they can get a child who's, you know, just just try it. Just just try an honors course. Mm -hmm. See how it works. And, you know, nobody's telling you you have to have an A plus, Mm -hmm. you know, the B plus is okay or a C plus is okay. 
but you prove to yourself you can do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the next thing for it. That's the next step in it. Our education foundation was founded on the principle of enrichment. So what our goal is, is to try to enrich the classroom so that that teacher has the tools at their hand to be able to offer enrichment to take the child up a level at wherever their level is. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the really small grants that we funded last year, the teacher wrote back and I, she wrote an evaluation. And when I read it, I went, okay, we succeeded in this grant. She had 29 kids in her classroom and she impacted all 29 of them in a way that she didn't dream she would ever impact them. It was basically a really simple grant. They wanted, they had um, elevated gardening beds at the school. They went into disrepair and weed, which is, you know, they're just all weeded. Nobody was using them. Mm-hmm. So they cleaned them up. They put new good soil in. They started learning growing patterns, sustainability, how your food is sourced, where your food is sourced from. She's a Title I teacher in a Title I school. And the thing that stood out to me the most on this one was that not one of those children had ever had the experience of growing their own food. Didn't have a pot in the backyard where you grew your own cherry tomato or your own, you know, bell pepper. We all do that. Mm-hmm. And we don't think anything about it. But these 29 kids come from a lifestyle where that opportunity was never given to them. And they got to the opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. So they grew five gallons of spinach. Wow. You know, they had a party. They celebrated with salad. And they ate, you know, mm-hmm. they were all like, you know, I've never had a radish before. I've never tasted a radish before. So when you see that in, in those simple little milestones mm-hmm. of enrichment are what now takes that kid, those kids and to say, okay, what's next? What, what can I do next inside of that? Mm-hmm. She had one kid who they, she told me, she said, he's always our child who, um, he struggles due to behavioral issues and he found his niche because he was able to put the composting bin together mm. he's good he's a good putter together mm-hmm. kind of kid mm-hmm. um so he kind of said you know maybe i have maybe i have some possibility maybe engineering could be a possibility for me mm-hmm. but if you start to introduce them to those types of things back in the early sets of their of their life and their educational career then they start to take a different path forward as they move progress through for middle school and high school and that's the key for me you can't wait till high school to have that light bulb turn on Mm -hmm. and say oh I want to go to college because at that point now it's it's much harder for for that child who doesn't have the skill sets for Mm -hmm. it they have to start really adapting and pushing those skill sets further just like you mentioned where you have the the 16 girls Mm -hmm. it's harder at that point it's harder in high school if you can start to mold that at a younger age and the teachers can do it through an engagement activity Mm -hmm. all businesses tell us all the time we want collaboration skills we want working together skills we want all of that and as simple as a classroom garden Mm -hmm. it teaches that right because they have to collaborate together and work it out according to the american lung association Breathing problems are most common from indoor environments, including new or older structures. Who do you know experiencing migraines, sinusitis, asthma, allergies, COPD, pneumonia, bronchitis, fatigue, even snoring? Yes, snoring, or allergic to their pet's dander. Yes, breathing problems can be minimized very effectively and inexpensively. Call Mary O'Farrell. 
Mary's House of Healthy Living, 812-787-2071. Call right away to assess your indoor breathing environment. Hi, this is Melanie Ake. When you visit everydayleaders.com, you'll find valuable resources to become a better leader in your life. Women's leadership programs, including Top Floor Women, our monthly networking events, corporate workshops, and strategic business coaching services. Discover classes and products to develop yourself, including our morning leadership devotionals. Don't forget, order one of my inspirational books, sign up for classes, or pick up some gear in the Leader Store. Listen to the Everyday Business Leaders podcast, apply to be a guest in our studio, or even sponsor your own commercial advertisement. Contact us today at everydayleaders.com. So this same set of kids, they wrote another grant this year. It's a problem-solving grant. Again, it's $570. It's the best use of my $570 <laughs> that I could have ever asked a donor for. They have a problem at school. The problem is, is there's bats getting into the building. So districts tried to seal up or do whatever, but we all know how a bat is. Yeah. A bat's going to find its way in. They're little. They can... They wrote a grant for building bat houses that they will mount on the property, and they included in the grant cameras that slide up in there so that they can view the nocturnal life. And in their garden beds, part of their garden beds, they are going to plant uh, pollinators that bloom evening hours or night hours so they're like a nocturnal type of and the bats will be attracted to them oh wow and i'm i'm learning because i'm like i didn't know those types of flowering plants existed that came out at nighttime the moon yes (laughs) and so i was like oh wow so that's what they're doing wow so 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 she's taking creative yeah it's so creative and it's so it's so simple Mm -hmm. there's simple things um that that you can do it doesn't always revolve around having a five thousand dollar piece of equipment it's not always about that within education and i think if you just let the teachers be creative and try to let them find unique ways to build in those core standards they're going to do it, and mm-hmm. they're going to do it in far more creative ways than legislation can do. Yeah, um, You just have to trust them. That's what they're trained for. That's what they go to college for. Mm-hmm. That's what they get their master's in. It's what they get yeah. their Ph.D. in. I was like, you they're know. They're the experts, right? They're so the let experts. them run the show. Let them run the show. And it's, it's so encouraging because I think I see all these different school systems, and it seems like, hey, the parents are still saying, how do I get involved? Or, or these groups that say, I wish the parents could get involved mm-hmm. more. And so what do you think as a parent that has been really dedicated and helped really encourage your kids to be disciplined and learn this from the very beginning? What's the message to the parents, right? Because I want, I, I feel your heart. I yeah. mean, I know you. I've known you for yeah. a long time. Yeah. But what can we send a message back home to these parents to say, you know, it may be really hard. You may have lots of struggles that are happening in your own life that are taking you away from creating that right environment and and the school can't do it all right school can't do it all what's the encouraging words that you can give to these parents to say it really matters right now matters just hang in there right hang in there well as a mom who doesn't have them at home anymore (laughs) i miss it i i mean i miss that interaction in time so I always tell parents, because so I, I hear a lot of it, you know, like, oh, my goodness, how am I? It's bath time. It's this time. It's that time. I, I know in the throes, it's hard to sit back and enjoy it. But that's what I would tell you is you have to in, 
You just have to enjoy it. I know there's days when you're just, just get me through it. Just get me through it. I mean, there were days when the highlight of my day would be, because Chip traveled a lot, mm-hmm. and he would be home and he's like, well, what, what do you want to do today? And I'm like, I want you to watch the kids and I want to go to the grocery with no one in the cart. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Target or Walmart with no one begging me for something that's not on my list. Mm-hmm. So you, we all have those moments, okay? You need you need to take care of yourself for, first and foremost. You got to you do have to take care of yourself, but you got to enjoy those moments. I we never went to bed without reading. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care how late we got home, but this is when they were little. I mean, obviously, when they get into high school, I'm not sitting down and, and reading with them. But it's just you just never know. And I, I remember the one time when my oldest asked me. This was when Harry Potter books started coming out, and I hate to say it. I'm not a. I'm. I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I'll watch the movies, but I just the words and all of it was really. <laughs> it was a struggle for me. And he's like, "Mom, would you read that to me?" And I was like, "Oh." So we got through book one, and then he looked at me and he says, "How about for book two, you let me do it on my own?" And I'm like, "Okay, no. yeah." <laughs> and but you got to do. You got to take those moments. You got to take that. And I really, I really, really, really do believe that just simplicity take it down to the simple side you read with your child Mm -hmm. and play games with your child and when you do that it's just a different world it just because you can talk about things they're learning in some games i i had a lot of educational games that i bought for our kids during the course of it um my sister-in-law is a math teacher so Every game that came in that door at Christmas time was always some kind of math-based game, and they were fun, you know, really fun to do. That's what I tell people. Look for those those small little moments, those ways to engage, you know, not necessarily on I'm – not, I'm not knocking it because my kids did it. My kids had the Playstations and the Nintendos, and they had all of that. And there's a good place for that as well, but you need – you do need that interaction time. And I just think that that is one of the things that – really builds to the success of, of a kid. Mm-hmm. I really do believe it does. I, I think that sitting down to family night dinners, no matter whether it's a pizza ordered in, a bucket of chicken in the middle of the thing <laughs> from, you know, the deli or wherever it's from, it's it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And it lets your children see you in a different way as well. It lets them see you in a way that's a little fun, Mm -hmm. you know, not necessarily on them about, you know, is your homework done? Is this done? Is this done? Um, You know, I I think that those types of things just really make a difference. Mm -hmm. Well, it sure has. You've been a great impact for your family and for the community. And I love just spending this time together. Oh, it's so much fun. (laughs) You know, it's what you do. It's it's every single person in the world can make a difference if they come with an idea. I love the stories that you told about the kids that are making a big difference at the school. And and so getting creative, right? Going maybe to your education system if you're a teacher with an idea that says, hey, I think we can do this and, and it may solve a big problem. Mm-hmm. You never know. Never know. You, you never know. Sometimes the, the biggest leaps of, of an entrepreneur, entrepreneur come from the mistakes that they've made. So, you know, letting these kids not be afraid to make a mistake. I, I know so many corporations now, we have them, and I think they're great. They're these um, 
oh, they call them like, it's not like a STEM lab, but it's a, it's a creative room. Mm-hmm. It's a creative room, you know, with laser cutters and I, the printers and all this kind of stuff. And what's fun about that is that the kids just really do have the, the, the freedom to create. Mm-hmm. I got to go in and watch, um, it was a group of middle schoolers and I got to watch, they did a Rube Goldberg disc stint and so I got to go in when they were done um and watch them and the excitement on their face and then the when it fails or something falls over the wrong way Mm -hmm. or whatever and you don't get to the very end of the of the crazy contraption but they had fun doing it and working together and problem solving to do it and you know and and cutting their own things you know there's a great sense of pride I I I think it's great. Like a lot of these rooms have think tools in them that I'm like, I want to learn how to run that thing. I want to learn how to run that, that saw, you know, they, it's in my day, if you wanted to learn how to run a, a saw like that, you mm-hmm. had to take shop class. Mm-hmm. Okay. They don't anymore. Um, these, these rooms are these creative rooms. They're teaching circuitry. They're teaching electronics. They're teaching it all in really fun and creative ways for these kids. And I just think it's great that they, that they get the ability to do it. Um, and in what, in a way that find they can find their passion with, whether it's, you know, making it program a music thing or making it program a robot that moves, um, you know, AI is a real world for them. It's a real world. It's a real world for them. And it's, you know, I think it's great that they're getting to do it. So I would encourage parents, you know, let your kids have that freedom. Let them, let them, let them go for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're living a hundred years in the future. Oh Lord. What does education look like? I'm going to tell you what I hope it doesn't look like. I hope it doesn't look like everything is online and there's an AI robot teaching them. That's the one thing I think COVID taught us the most, Mm -hmm. especially in elementary education. That human interaction and that human person is able to understand and read that child and to figure that child out. That they're able to select the right books for them to read that are going to build their vocabulary and not tear them down because it's too hard. Mm -hmm. So that they don't get frustrated because that's a key. Don't let them get frustrated. But you want them working up. You want them working up, but you don't want them so frustrated that that they give up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hope it doesn't look like. I, I, I'm fearful that it will and that they will f- start to feel that teachers are commodities. I mean, we're all – would we have ever dreamed that you would walk in – it's coming. We know it's coming. You're going to walk into Starbucks. It's going to be facial recognition. They're going to know what Melanie wants to order. Mm-hmm. And they're already going to have your credit Chrome card Macchiato. on file. <laughs> they're going to have it on file. And you're just going to come through. And there's not going to be any people in there. Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be, you know, you say hello, good morning to to a computer. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hope education never, ever, ever looks like. Mm-hmm. Because there is value to that there is there is value to the person and i if we didn't learn that in covid i think we need another pandemic to make us <laughs> learn it i mean i we Are learned you it on the pandemic no no we learned it we we learned it yeah. i we learned that we, we just have to that. apply it right yeah and it's but now it's not forgetting it it's mm-hmm. when you sometimes when you come away from from a challenge you go away i i i think about it from a car wreck chip and i had chip and i were in a really bad car wreck during COVID and 
so now he told me, one of the things he told me that day was, feel free to be a side seat driver. <laughs> okay, that's not true anymore. <laughs> We're four years away from the wreck. And if I say, if I go to like, yeah, watch out. or what, watch out, the car's slowing, brake lights are on, mm-hmm. he... Stop side seat driving. Mm-hmm. Don't we? We in the throes of it. We learn the lessons, but the farther away from you you get, you start to forget the lessons that you learned. And you know, it's like anything in history. You don't you you learn from history. So I don't hope. I hope we don't ever forget that part of what we learned in this. That sending kids home into an online learning, especially at elementary. Is not good, and I can give you that. There's, they see the data. They mm-hmm. can, the teachers and the faculty can tell you the data today. We have kids that were kindergartners during the pandemic, and so those kids are now probably second and third graders. Okay, their reading levels are not good. Mm-hmm. They're not good. They're, they have not been able to catch them up. So, in some cases, they are saying that they're starting to see that incoming kindergartners, there's their reading levels are on grade level and there and you have this composite grouping of children that is still such a struggle to to catch them up and get them where they need to be because they lost that it was almost like a a couple of our reading specialists said it the the same they said it beautifully and eloquently is that when those kindergartners came into first grade the following year it was like they had never been to kindergarten because it doesn't translate the same. Mm-hmm. It's just it just doesn't translate. For them that that reading skill doesn't translate without that human without that teacher, mm-hmm. without that human teacher. So mm-hmm. that's what in 100 wow. years I hope it doesn't look like <laughs> unless someone is done a really good job with the AI guy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, well we'll check back. I want to keep up on what's going on in Bloomington because you know we're about leading communities and you're definitely a community leader. And I know you're friends with Tiffany. That's part of the Greenwood Education Foundation. I'm friends with a lot of education. (laughs) I mean, if you're in the education foundation world, we get together. I mean, we have Mm -hmm. conferences, we do things together. So, and we all do things different and uniquely because our communities are all different and unique. But the one thing that I would encourage anybody, because coincidentally we're on giving Tuesday here today. We're on giving Tuesday. That's right. You know, give to your education foundation foundation mm-hmm. find find out who get on google them you'll find them um they'll be inside of your district's homepage somewhere or they'll have their own thing um or call me i can tell you who they are uh it support them mm-hmm. support them because what they're doing for the teachers in your community wherever you are in listening and if you're out of state listening i guarantee you there's an education foundation in your state they're everywhere they're cropping up it's it's a grassroots industry and they're doing good work Mm -hmm. they are really 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 doing good work and they're most all of us are in the same space we're trying to enrich so we're trying to enrich it um one of the things that always astounds me is you'll ask if you if you're somebody out there and you're just curious you could email an elementary librarian if your district has an elementary <laughs> library and they don't all have them. So this again, there's differences mm-hmm. there. Um, we're very fortunate in Bloomington that we have held on to those positions. Ask them what the age, the average book age in the library is, especially in your fiction area or nonfiction area. And I'm going to guarantee you that they're going to tell you that the average age of those books is can be seven to eight years. Now, just think how fast technology is changing wow. and things are changing. Yeah. It takes a lot of money to keep up 
just your library, just to keep your library up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an endowed fund from um, a person who's passionate about that, and they created an endowment for us that spins out around this year. We're funding $15,000 to our elementary libraries purely for books to help them keep current fresh literature in those in those libraries and a lot of people lose sight of that when they start thinking about per pupil funding what what that entails and costs aren't going down the average book price today is 25 or 30 Mm dollars for a hardbound book that a library would have so you know it's it's about keeping good fresh current reading material inside of there mm-hmm. and a lot of times those you know a lot of less legislation has gone through saying what type of book it can be what it can't be um you know i think we're getting too caught up in a lot of that you know the, a lot of the goal for kids is to read to read mm-hmm. what 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 they in a lot of book choice what they want to read what they find interesting and being able to present it to them um, so that they will be able to, to read it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So it's very important. It's so I just encourage everybody today, find an edu- find a K through 12 education foundation and just give them $25. Give them $25. It's where it starts. Give them 10. It's a book. That, that's a book. You know, that's a book yeah. um, is what I would say. So no discredit to higher education. Um, they've been at this a lot longer than we have, and they have a lot. Their alumni really kind of shelters back to them mm-hmm. in, in a way. Because if I asked you a question, do you think more fondly of your high school education or your college education? What do you say? Oh, my gosh. Well, High school. <laughs> oh, you do. I do. You do. Okay. I was really involved in my high school, though, okay. and I didn't have an on-campus life. Okay. So uh, for me, you know, I did more. I was more involved. Okay. When I was going through that K through twelve, and uh, and so a lot of my personality developed, and I got to really explore that. And then in college, I just you know did the regular stuff. But I think it was just different for me, right? Right. right. Um, but I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, college definitely. I'm more mm-hmm. committed to my alumni." And and so, do I give back to the Greenwood Education Foundation? Yes. Yay. <laughs> and I'd like to be involved in them because that's that is my right. alumni, but also UND, right? So I right. try to kind of give give to both. But um, but I think when I think about the friendships, the creativity, the things that I was able to start, like we started the first Greenwood girls softball team okay and so those are the things that I really felt connected to and yeah. I think that's that's kind of where I, I have to answer that you have to answer that right? yeah but um but I don't know I mean I think it's different for everybody but I think it's a great check mm-hmm. right it's a great check for people to say can you get more involved can, can you, you get more involved in K through 12 to kind of take that and say well what do I do next with it how do I make an impact and an influence bring it back right Go off and go to college, start your job, have your family, bring it back to your, your community. So you can that bring you it can... back to your community. Some people, because a lot of our alumni live local, a lot of them don't live local. Yeah. Um, we did, one of our high schools celebrated 50 years um, last year. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of said, okay, let's give this a shot. We created an endowment for them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of alumni that have done very well in their lives, um, and a lot of them don't live local, mm-hmm. Um they gave back to it. Yeah. Um, and a, a lot of it was the money that will distribute it. What their the goal with that money is, is that it will go towards student led projects. Mm-hmm. So it, 
it's not a it's kind of directed donations right it's, yeah it's a directed donation but you're trying to put it into the hands because a lot of people said to me oh it can't go to the sport i don't want it all going to just and like it none of it will go that direction mm-hmm. it it's the design is for it to go to student-led and once it starts to di- distribute more heavily then they'll have to kind of figure out exactly what they're going to do but the first few years of a of, a, of an endowment they don't distribute that heavily because you want them to have financially get on solid footing Mm -hmm. um but you know that's that's there i i would encourage anybody if you want to leave a legacy in your community Mm. you know talk to your education foundation they are able to develop scholarships a lot of them are on scholarships um but a lot of them also are looking for legacy gifts that help provide these teacher grants and you can name them after yourself i have the one who's done the elementary library grant i mean they chose not to put their name on it their their endowment is called the happily ever after fund Mm-hmm. You know, because <laughs> for them, if a child can read, they're going to be happily ever after. And that's how the name was developed. But I mean, it's, you know, you have donors who are p- passionate about different things. Um, but whether, you know, you would want to set up a scholarship, but I always encourage people think about your legacy. Yeah. I mean, think what you want your life to to leave and if you if you're if you're so fortunate that you want to leave money behind to to someone there are a lot of places out there to leave your money so you just have to look in your community and find out what it is that you're passionate about because there are a lot of charities everywhere everywhere and they're all doing great work Mm -hmm. i mean i sit on the board for a couple of charities outside of what i do Mm -hmm. and i sit on them because i'm passionate about them and i'm passionate about the work that they do and they also have a small connection into us so um so it's kind of you know it it helps to bridge a little bit Mm -hmm. for us back right yeah i mean it's always always about giving back it's always about giving back so Mm -hmm. and it makes you feel good Mm-hmm. You know, we're in the season of, of giving whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate during this this month of December. <laughs> I, I feel I don't even want to try because there are so many um, different things that people celebrate mm-hmm. across the world globally. And so, you know, whatever that is, you know, find your passion, find your niche and, and support it. So. We're trying. Oh, come back. OK, I'd love to. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time and oh. congratulations on all your success in your family and oh. and all the changes that are happening. Thank you. Then congratulations to you guys. This is a great space. This is fun, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's a great space. Thanks. Um, all right. So what did Cirilla say? She said, go find a local organization that you can give to. If you have been successful in your life, maybe start an endowment at your local community. Who knows? Uh, lots of things happen when you get together and you get back into your community. And so we wanted to remind you that this show is really to help you think and grow differently. This is about growing your business, being involved in your community, and it never, ever ends. Innovation never ends. So we have great business leaders coming in to talk to us and share their ideas. Stay tuned for more episodes because we may have Cirilla's kids come in and talk to us at some point because I want to know what they know. This has been so much fun today. We've been here at JP the Geek Studio. Remember, better IT service is just a call away. They say own it, secure it, and protect it. Until next time, don't forget to subscribe to our channel so you'll never miss an episode. But you got to turn those notifications on. (laughs) Remember, Everyday Leaders helps you to develop strategies to become a better leader in your life. Remember, it's not what you do in a day. It's what you do every day that makes the most impact. Thank you.